Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This episode, Jack and Earl discuss Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 5, Die Trying. We originally recorded this episode on the 22nd of March, 2021. Please bear with us as our production skill improves. I kind of get tired when uh, the recap isn't just last week, but they recap almost everything or several things from several different episodes. But often when I'm watching a recap, I forget that the callback may be significant to this episode. So there's a callback with them crash landing on the ship, and there's a callback to the, the pilot lady's uh, PTSD development. You're talking about Kayla Detmer again. It struck me that, I think it was during the captain's log that Saru mentions that the UFP, the United Federation of Planets and Starfleet were once separate entities that must now bind together. So that kind of flies in the face of some things I've said previously on this show, um, because I definitely thought that they were, like Starfleet was a branch of the UFP, but apparently I was mistaken. In a way, it, it's kind of a continuation of the Starfleet from United Earth back in Enterprise days. It, it is, and it's not exactly the same Starfleet. What is the difference? Is it just like they reconfigured the organization, and thus it's different, although it has the same, like, everything, like, structure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the army of the colonies, the, the American colonies, versus the United States of America after the Declaration of Independence. Sure, yeah. So it has, like, the same people in it, right? Yeah. It's a different arm or branch of that new government. Or different government. Uh, did you see the Jem uh, Hadar looking beetle ships, and then uh, the USS Voyager? Day? Of course, everyone saw the Voyager Day, and that fan service <laughs> really like was annoying because like Voyager's cool, Defiant would have been nice to see, but I did notice that there was a starship called the USS Nog, which was pretty cool because I think the Aaron Eisenberg starship needed to be made after his tragic and untimely death. I still haven't seen that. This year. Yeah, there's a USS Nog. It's like to the port side of uh, Discovery when she's coming into the um, station. So there's that. We will miss Aaron Eisenberg, and I'm glad that they honored him by giving him a Starship Nog. I think it's awesome. Okay. Better than killing Nog in the first opening scenes of Season 8 of Deep Space Nine. Did we briefly see an Olympic-class type ship? When I'm pausing my HD, it doesn't like quite pause like a still frame. Like, it pauses with motion. Uh So, like, if I don't see it while it's moving, I'm not going to be able to see it. Yep. The aliens on the uh, sick bay bed, the sick aliens, uh, their middle two fingers are one finger. Oh, yes, the old uh, Lilith trick, the one... uh, the one where, where Riker goes down to that planet and they have the, 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 two, the two middle fingers that are that are glued together and it's supposed to look like they only have four mm-hmm. fingers. Was this the first time that Saru and Burnham call each other captain and first officer or number one? I think so. I'm glad that that happened. That's been a long time coming, I think. Uh, one of them becoming getting the captaincy and the other one becoming the first officer was something that we were waiting for I think all of this time so they could just be on their own instead of having somebody to shepherd them they don't need a shepherd they can shepherd themselves <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm not sure what I think about this uh, Admiral guy as we as longtime Star Trek fans all know that uh, the Admiral rarely plays a good guy they're usually uh, 
spoil. They're not really a evil, but they're, they're bad guys. So we, we call those bad rules, and I think that's all that Star Trek has, is it just has bad <laughs> rules across the board. You, you become a captain, and you like uphold the ideals of Starfleet, and you're like, we are Starfleet, and then you become a bad rule, and you're like, damn it, I, I'm not on this damn space flying around, I'm just going to be a bad rule. <laughs> so do you think it's then they're kind of uh, upset that they've got taken a desk job, and they're kind of uh, paying everybody else back for it, getting revenge? Yeah, man, they're totally sending people to their death. They're like, hey, man, do whatever you want. Go out there, start war with Klingons. It's gonna be cool. We'll be back here. I'll be good. I got my wine. I got my vineyard. Everything's all set. Enjoy your <laughs> space life. You Thanks for the promotion. <laughs> the other weird thing is that they're automatically considering them criminals because they've traveled through time, even though the law was written after they left. So they weren't breaking any law. There was no law to break yeah, when they left. So you can't really hold them accountable. It's like bringing back somebody somebody back to life and telling them they can't, you know, smoke crack out in public anymore. Or there, there, there are no more opium dens. So I just, um, I have one, one question about, um, was smoking crack in public ever illegal? Actually, I mean, if you've ever seen the History Channel's uh, illegal drugs and how they got that way, almost every drug started off as just, you know, an, an innocent thing that people were doing. And so, yeah, ultimately, at one point, it wasn't, it just wasn't illegal. Nobody thought it, nobody cared about it. And most of the laws specifically outlawed it for a specific people group. So opioids specifically were made illegal first for only Asians. And um, I don't remember if it was crack or marijuana, but marijuana at first was only illegal because they thought it made black people, black men overpowered, and then the police wouldn't be able to handle them. You know, so at first it was only illegal for black people, black men in particular, to smoke marijuana. Illicit substances are just not illegal yet. And there's the obvious case of, what is it, the 23rd, the 26th Amendment, where drinking alcohol was completely banned by everybody and then they reverse their idea and say yeah no we're uh we were wrong my bad we, you can drink alcohol again um so yeah illicit drugs always come and go off of the uh illegal legal decriminalized sort of lists all the time so that's wild <laughs> that's just backwards kayla kayla detmer goes is that a new constitution class or is it nilson is every like saucer nacelles engineering section like base ship a new constitution class like is, is she kind of being redundant there like, the galaxy <laughs> class definitely looks like the constitution you can see the line of evolution there um so in a way galaxy class would be a new constitution class so from there i got you yeah so um upon answering the federation starbase here's what i here's the thought that i wrote down i wrote Ooh, silver pretty. Silver pretty? Yeah, it's just so shiny and sparkly in that in that um in that starbase. It's like it's there's a lot going on in there and and it's just like I don't know, it's oh, like okay. it's like they're entering heaven. It's so it's so wild. One thing that I uh first noticed, I mean maybe they've done it before already, but I, I just want them to add the uh when they when they transport from the uh, ship to the uh space station, I th the effect appears like it should sound like night nightcrawler's bamf 
Yeah, yeah, it totally does. Just needs a little bamf. <laughs> yeah, it needs something like. Two. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, there's a thing where that that can we we learn that Kaminar has entered the UFP, and I'm gonna I'm gonna presuppose that were it not for Saru and the crew of the Discovery, and for going backwards a little bit, Giorgio answering Saru's call, that the Kaminar probably wouldn't have made it into the Federation. So Giorgio breaking the Prime Directive. Yeah. Furthermore, if Discovery had not come back with the Sphere Data and Pike and all that, you know, Kaminar probably wouldn't have gotten into the Federation because they wouldn't have reset the balance between the Kaminar and the Bayul. Another thing I noticed, this uh, holographic doctor that's examining uh, Michael Burnham and talking about, you know, her emotions and stuff, and I noticed he's wearing a bow tie. This from the man in the bow tie. Bow ties are cool. Bow ties are cool. Here's one. Bow tie. Get rid! Bow ties are cool. Markov, Doctor Who, and Matt Smith. Yeah, yeah, definitely bow ties are cool. There's a funny thing that the Admiral says when we arrive. Um, first of all, uh, let me say, I don't like the uniforms. I think they're fucking awful. <laughs> no no offense to Gersha Phillips because she's a great uh, costume designer. I'm sure that she was forced into some some several like bad decisions when she was making these costumes because these costumes, I, these these uh, new Starfleet uniforms, I don't like them, man. But uh, listen, so when they beam over to the station, mm. the admiral says the scan says this is that you're Sinatol, and if your scanner says that that's Sinatol, there's something wrong with your scanners, man, because that's clearly not even a boy. That's what's wrong with you? Yeah, right. Like, and it's not even like the same yeah, age. How like, you think that that was? Yeah, like, I mean, your scanners are jacked up. Unless they were unaware that Tall was a symbiote or a Trill, and therefore uh, just assumed that anybody with the last name Tall was Senna Tall. No, man, it says the scanner. It says the scanner says your name is, you are Senna Tall. <laughs> and we know that like transporters and bio, mm. bio, you know, can do bio locks and all that junk. So, like, there's something wrong with their, with something wrong with their scanners. I, and I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means something. Like, that could mean, it could be, like, a secret thing where, like, Sinatol is actually a fake, or, you know, like, something like that. Like, I don't know, because, like, why would your scanner say it's Sinatol? That's not, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, there's a, during that same sort of moment, there's a, there's a moment where I thought that we were going to, you know, see the beginning of, like, a Cisco-Dax relationship. But Van, Vance is like, no, no, homie, like, we're not, we're not friends. We were friends back there. We're not friends now. Yeah. I don't know you, girl. Yep. And I don't know if it's, it's like because I, she's I too young right this guy's... or like has he known of the trill and maybe they went through that kind of thing before and that caused problems. Like, why would he do that? Like, he really, he like, he, he definitely like cold shouldered her as soon as she showed up and he showed up like, hey, it's, it's your old buddy. And he's like, no, you're not my old buddy. We do know that Dax did break some of the rules when she reaffirmed her relationships with uh, Cisco and Klingons. You know, I mean, there's been various episodes where they kidnapped Dax for one reason or because they wanted to accuse her of a crime that a previous uh, host committed. And they had to reestablish that new hosts on the same symbiote are not, cannot be held responsible for the previous host actions. I, I did a roleplay sim once where I, I had this whole, this whole story that I like set in motion. And the story was that like, there was this, it's kind of crazy. There's this like medical assistant, right? And the doctor was a trail, and they were both trail. And then like there's something happened, somebody got injured, you know, the doctor got injured. And instead of like, instead of like making sure the doctor was gonna you know, be healed, you know, and be able to make it back, he like 
didn't help them and let him bleed out and then like stole it, put a symbiont in him because he was the only other close viable candidate. So then when the symbiont goes in the new guy, the new guy's like, oh crap, now I've killed myself and I have to tell people that I did this crime, but I did this crime and like now I feel like I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a like a savant, like, like he does, he's, he has all these like in, incredible gifts, but like he's also a murderer now mm-hmm. as well. So like, I don't know, that was, that was my, my troll story that I, <laughs> Well, I don't know. Or... Not helping somebody is not murder. It's just not helping somebody. Uh, yes, but when he goes into the new body, the new body, the new the new host, uh, and the symbionts reasoning through that is like I know for sure that I murdered him because I know that I could have saved him and I should have saved him and I chose not to because I wanted to be him and here I am. Okay. So who's who's to blame? Is it me? Am I to blame? Well, but or did somebody else who's not even me? create me and should I feel bad about being me because some bad guy created me but I'm not a bad guy anymore even though I just murdered somebody like five minutes ago okay so Batman's whole philosophy is um, like at the end of um, Batman Begins I don't I I might not kill and I might not like killing but that doesn't mean I have to save you a doctor's well I mean if you take into account the Hippocratic Oath which actually doctors don't actually take a Hippocratic oath. So a, a doctor might have the capability of saving him and he might be ethically obligated, but he doesn't have to. And by not saving them, they're not causing their death. They're just not prolonging their life. Sure, absolutely, yeah. So here's the thing. So Eli is a lie detector, right? Is he? Is his name actually E-L-I-E? The sub- subtitles just spell it as Eli as the regular human name. He also reads Burnham for complete filth because he says, what I've been wondering these last two seasons, are you prone to emotional exaggeration? <laughs> because like almost every time she cries, I'm like, uh, did you earn that? <laughs> well, and, and talking about the uh, AI, I, I love the next scene after that where they're starting to do the uh, time lapse or whatever, where they're each showing each of their interviews and they get the Georgios interview and the guy is sitting there with the background and I was immediately reminded of the cigarette smoking man from the X-Men or the X-Files. Who is this guy? Well, not only that, but you're, you're good at knowing who the actor is. Do you know yeah, who man. this actor yeah, is? Man. Yeah, totally. It's David Cronenberg. So, like, he's the guy who did, like, a whole bunch of effects for, uh, like, some, some 90s, uh, rather 80s uh, TV shows. Um, you'll, uh, you'll remember uh-huh. him most recently as the guy referred to in uh, Rick and Morty in the episode where they, like, like, they screw up the whole world and everybody's all, like, like melting human faces on their arms and stuff like that. Oh, like the first episode of Rick and Morty. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, 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 that's probably it. They made the Cronenberg world, and then, like, so this is the guy who created the Cronenberg, like, sort of effects. So, for reference point, we're talking about approximately timestamp of 1922. I did take that note at that time. Yeah, because he asked uh, them if he could be on Star Trek, and they were like, yeah, man, you're David Cronenberg. Come on, man. Does the actor actually need these glasses, then? Yeah, yeah, those are his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't. If I needed some glasses to be on a set, like I would totally like. I'm just gonna wear some glasses, man. I, they look cool. Okay, even though you're in the 24th or 20 31st century, and I'm wearing some glasses that came from our eyes down the street. Yeah. Um, the little trick that this woman pulls, this woman named Pippa. I'm gonna call her Pippa from now on because she's my Pippa. Let's. She's Pippa. Who's Pippa? 
Pippa, Pippa Giorgio does her little blinky trick with those holograms. Yep. The Admiral mentioned a few minutes ago that um, <laughs> yep. that there are 38 worlds in the Federation now down from 350 um, members of the peak. Now, uh, that's 10% down. That's uh, yep. 90, 90% down. But my question is, so the problem, the, the thing that they're saying was, was the problem in that membership drop is the burn. However, the burn doesn't make sense for that because they the subspace relays are down. Like, man, why are the subspace relays down? Those aren't running on warp power, are they? They weren't uh, active ships undergoing like matter antimatter reactions. No, they're not. They're running on sub subspace. Oh, so maybe the burn affected subspace because no, well, the no, like they didn't because the 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 book said in the first episode he said that the Gorn had destroyed two light years of subspace. So like, yeah, but that means that the rest of subspace should be fine, except for that stretch where we had the the speed limit, right? So like, why are all the subspace relays down? Okay. Like, there's no reason like we should have lost that many subspace relays all across the Federation. Like, did someone take them down? Also, in the meantime, the relays are also you know got to be so close to together so that they can keep maintaining the signal. So, obviously, you're close enough that you should be able to get to it within a reasonable amount of time, even traveling at sub warp speeds. Yeah, man, that's my point. So like. You think they would have made know. some subspace relays like by now that you know could? Stretch. I mean, you just go and check on it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But I guess they, I guess they yeah. didn't have anybody to go check on them because they didn't have any work. Oh, yeah, okay. So they lost a lot of personnel when the burn happened, right? So they didn't have the people to go out and check on these subspace well, relays. Well, yeah, that's true. Oh, that's what's up. Okay, so they did do some thinking about this. The uh -oh. subspace relays have been okay. been breaking down successfully over the past like 150 years. That's why the burns effects are still affecting us now because like, we're still starting. We're still feeling the effects of being uh -oh. out of contact. That's that's neat. Okay, I yeah. hadn't thought that through, but now that I thought it through. It makes total sense. That's that's kind of cool how they did that. Yeah, yeah. So the burn is going to be interesting here. I'm imagining that uh, by the end of the season, we're going to have a, some significant answers to this, but we might have some more answers or questions, questions sure, yeah, after yeah. that. But yeah. uh, I don't know if there's, you know, I think I have some hypotheses. They, everybody says they have hypotheses, but nobody shares them. Could this have been an attack? You know, my first question is the boar. Uh, let's not do the old tropes again. Well, yeah, I mean, it could be an ex extra galactic species jump. Let's not jump a, a thousand years in the future and do the same damn thing. <laughs> well, it could be an extra galactic species that could be trying to yeah, attack. Yeah. Ooh, we they could take. You remember in the original series when there were some uh, people from uh, uh, the Andromeda galaxy. I do. Yeah. That made turn people into those uh, polyhedral dice. They maybe they're attacking. Maybe they're finally made it back and they can. You know they they've uh, figured out a way to get reach the void between the Andromeda Galaxy and the Milky Way Galaxy, and they're uh, maybe it's maybe it's them attacking and trying to you know disarm us before. Often when an enemy strikes, I'm you know on Star Trek, I'm wondering like what is their motivation? Like why are they coming after us? Why why are they why why do they care what we're doing? Why do they leave the hell alone? Like why why do they care? And it's usually like because we did something to them. And we went over the Klingons and we tried to like be all in their shit and like be like, hey, you guys are like puppies, be our friends. And they were like, we're not puppies. And then they like beat us up, you know? Like, who's who's like puppies? Klingons. The dogs of war. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2258, the Star Trek Discovery, the Star Trek Discovery, the Starship Discovery was reported destroyed. Yeah. I mean, obviously there were things that the Discovery did to help with the war and stop the war. So. Although that also 
involve the spore drive. So exactly. How, so like, but how did how did Corvan two get saved? Because nobody nobody knows who saved them. Yeah. Which is why the little girl was like, "Who saved us?" And like, "Well, girl, no one will ever know." <laughs> There's a moment like 15 minutes and 30 seconds in. Um, I think Burnham's talking to Saru. Mm-hmm. She does this new lean stance where she's like leaned to one side and like her head is tilted, also to that side. Like she's about to like, if she had a gun in her hand, she was doing like the the like the gangster pose to like to like shoot somebody. <laughs> like that's the pose that you're in. And I've noticed like. She just started doing that, but I'm gonna watch for that thing. That that stands right there for the rest of the season because I'm betting that's part of the new Burnham. Is her is her, is her little case. <laughs> Hi, my name is Isaac, and I'm from Australia. And if you're hearing me, that means you also like Star Trek, which makes you a friend in my book. So if you like, let's talk about Treks would like to hear more podcasts why not give us a try search for unplanned trick where you can listen to a podcast about a random episode out of all star trek series where we look at things like the best and worst characters as well as we're giving out the Riker medal for any love interest that we see this week so search on twitter and your podcast provider unplanned trick and give our show a go. You may find that you recognise a voice or two as we have special guests coming up all the time. So, if you like a light-hearted podcast with a little twist of humour and a big focus on Star Trek, just give us a go, folks. All you have to do is search for... Unplanned Trek. Live long and prosper. I noticed that when they're in the seed vault... Well, first of all, I just want to just point out: is, is this the uh, uh, the space seed vault? <laughs> the space seed vault. I get it. Yeah, I, I I heard it. Yeah. It was a dad joke. I'm sorry, or an uncle joke. I'm not a dad. I'm an uncle. I like uncle jokes. It's an uncle cool. joke. I'm an uncle joke too. The other question I had is: is this is a seed vault protecting the origin of these seeds and the genetic purity of these seeds? But they go and take all of the seeds why did they t- i mean if they take all of the seeds and then something happens to them after they've taken all the seeds those seeds are then irreversibly chain altered or they're destroyed forever and forever and that plant is extinct they need to leave so- at least half of the seeds behind i don't know what the hell they were thinking yeah like really poor planning because like if something happens yeah. to that planet and they got to go back and like reseed it there's lots of planets there's lots of fish in the sea i'm sure you could find another fish on which to put your plant your seeds but you have to have the seeds that's the thing so uh what, what was your hypothesis what's going on with this guy the hologram that turns out to be stuck in in transporter limbo Man, I gotta tell you, like, seriously, as soon as we saw him, and like, I knew what the hell was going on, because we did this already. This is the next phase. This is this is Jordy and Roe stuck in another, uh, you know, a phased universe, and they have to try to find their way back. This is exactly what this is. So it's cool. Like, I, I'm good with it though. Like, they took they take some cool premises and like minimize them instead of overblowing them, you know. And we've already seen these explanations. So, like, some people who've never seen Star Trek before might be like, "Phasing? What is that? This is makes sense. That's stupid." Yeah. But like, I've seen it. I believe it. it this this kind of shit happens all the time, man. People get phased, they get stuck somewhere, and they're yeah. they're there, but they're not there. So like that's why I buy it, cause like we did this twenty years ago, you know. 
the other thing it reminds me of is Scotty in the transporter beam and prolonging his life that way. Uh, with the when he uh, aboard the Janolan when they crashed onto that Dyson sphere and he just like recycled himself in the buffers for. But like, how much degradation was there? Yeah, when they and like because yep. you know he's already walking into stuff anyway. We don't we don't need more <laughs> degraded than that. Man. I was kind of surprised that uh, we we discovered that. Uh, Commander Nan's eyes are not her natural eye color when she's wearing her uh, environmental assistant thing. Yeah, man, like that was quite a shock. Like, the purple, purple was cool. And as you know, it was only because she's in the wrong air. Like, that's interesting to know. Um, and I was wondering why, like, okay, so other Barzans didn't have weird, weird eyeball things. So, real, real air, real eyes. I like. I like, yo, uh-huh. I like Commander Nan a lot. She's been dope ever since she arrived. I don't even remember where she came from, but she just, like, popped up and stayed. Yeah, yeah. Like, was she, did she, did she, like, did she, like, defect from the, the, the pie, the pike, the USS Pike? Did she come over from the Enterprise? Was she transferred, like, formally, <laughs> or did she just, like, she was like, no, 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 I'm going with y'all. I was confused on where she came from, too. It is, I don't get it why she had to go. Like, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. They, they cut back to the, uh, the uh, glasses wearing man uh, again to reference the cigarette smoking man one of my hypotheses is about him is he knows so much about Giorgio I think he's trying to maybe kind of throw people off and the way he's being all creepy and stuff anyway I wonder if he's from mirror universe um, no because he said there hasn't been a crossing in 500 years but we don't know that why, why are we going to take him at his word? He's a cigarette smoking man. I, I Yeah, but I do wonder who he is, and I wonder why he's there, and I wonder what his purpose is, and I wonder if he's the president of the Federation. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's what I wonder. interesting thing. But I, I, I like, the, the other thing I like that's going on between them is we are learning from Giorgio. Oh, we totally are. Yeah, we do. We're learning a lot about her, too. Yeah. I also am now just wondering, you know, is he like somehow above the admiral that is presenting himself as the uh, CO of the station or like sideways and above, you know? Yeah. So what Saru said earlier was that this is the seat of the UFP and Starfleet who have now had to bind together, right? So there we saw Starfleet uh-huh. representatives and we saw the top Starfleet guy, but we didn't see explicitly the top UFP guy nor really any representative from the UFP. So who is this yeah. guy? He's the UFP, man. He's, he's the UFP yeah. guy. Go ahead and mark off uh, the X-Files as the cigarette smoking man reference. Yeah. Um, um, and just a reminder for you noobs out there, UFP would be standing for United Federation of Planets. Welcome to the Federation. <laughs> the sea vault walls spin and lock up like it's a puzzle. Yeah. It's not a puzzle. I mean, I was just kind of curious what's going on with those lights and stuff. It looks cool, I guess, but like, it wouldn't have would have made more sense to just have like even rows and spaces, and you know, have them stored on shelves. But you know, yeah. maybe it wasn't built by humans. Maybe it was built by aliens who, who do like you know honeycomb hideouts. So that's what they do. They're like, hey, so UFP approached them and they were like, hey, man, we need you to make a honeycomb hideout in space. You can put all the seeds in it. And they're like, oh, honeycomb hideout, and they make it. Well, uh, yeah, maybe it was made by the uh, Zendia in- insectoids. Are they an extinct species? The Zendian insectoids? Yeah, I, I don't know. By oh, it was the birds. It was the birds. The avians. Yeah, it was the avians that were in- extinct. I mean, I I think that the the Zindi aquatics. Yeah. I think those were the whale people from Star Trek Four. Sure, man. Yeah, that makes total sense. 
there's a thing that happens when they're in the sea fault. Okay. And there's a thing about uh, it's a thing about a uh, a uh, the steam that's like pouring down on the walls. This is totally like a Farscape thing. Like uh-huh. Farscape used to have these, they'd have like you know open sets and to make it like look cool or to hide things, they would put like steam like just shooting out everywhere. What's the steam for, man? Sure. What's the steam for? What's the steam for? Why are the rocks on the floor? What's going on? They explained that the steam in this case was the environment, the Barzan environment. That, that uh, somehow maybe the Barzan environment was uh-huh. leaking a little bit and it was effect- that's why the plants were growing extra fast those plants were supposed to be there well 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 they were affected by the Barzan environment and they it caused them to grow faster now why does Commander Nan need to be the one to select the seeds why isn't the other guy the guy that's in control of the is he is he actually in control of it though is he in control <laughs> hasn't he shown that he maybe shouldn't have that job anymore <laughs> hasn't his job kind of gone to <laughs> really his decisions are not the ones we should follow look the man got his whole family killed well you know that's that's the thing that kind of bugged me about this episode is why do we keep on losing unique crew members just when we start to get to to know them you know i mean i I'd, I'd rather I rather like Commander Nan, and I yeah, I like her balls yeah, when she's great. one being debriefed, where she's yeah. like, you know, yeah, I'm balls. a captured s- soldier, you yeah. know. I'm blah blah blah. This is blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the serial number and rank and and name, and that's all they get. <laughs> you know, I, I I like her, and then she, they leave her behind in this one. I like the way that she did it because she was polite about it too. She was like, you know what. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't mean to be mean, but you know, put me in the rig hologram. Uh, there's a whole racial thing happening here with holograms. Though. Like, <laughs> I don't know if we're being like really okay to holograms. I think holograms in the future would be very upset about the depiction of holograms in Star Trek because we kind of treat them like. Well, these people from the 23rd century are not used to holograms yet, and they haven't encountered intelligent holograms like the Doctor. Yeah, that's that's true. But that's, still. A, that's another thing I want to know. Maybe I didn't cover is is the doctor still alive? No, hmm. I I uh, noticed during the credits that there was a lot of all these mentions of holographic characters, and you know it has have holograms been like developed as their own fully sentient and aware and unique species that they started breeding and creating their own holograms and uh, expanding across the universe. Yeah, because holograms can make their own little baby holograms, I forgot. Like, you just make yourself a little hologram. Well, not only that, but you can project a hologram at the speed of light and at least get there faster than uh, uh, impulse. That is an incredible thought. Yeah, yeah, that's totally dope. Like, you totally have, like, an away team that leaves from Earth and, like, goes straight to the planet at the speed of light because they're fracking holograms. That's pretty amazing. I, I like yeah. that very much. Because <laughs> the sea vault had me thinking about Farscape, right? And then I was like, hey, wait a minute. Is Tilly the red-haired girl from Farscape? Like, is she the same character brought into this universe? Like, is she the, like, crazy princess <laughs> who, like, says inappropriate things and screams sometimes? Like, is that is that the same character? Which, which, which character are you talking about from Farscape? Um, from Farscape, I don't remember her name. I remember she had a really long name, kind of like Mihani Kailali Kapahali Popo, but I don't remember her Are you name. talking about the white-haired lady? No, 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 not Siana. That was the red-haired lady. Duel was her name. Maybe I haven't seen that character in Farscape yet. 
Here's Michael crying. Again. Have you not seen? I know, man. I know. And she, she, did she earn this one? Did she? Did she earn it? I don't think she earned it. I mean, well, she's saying goodbye to another friend. Yeah, so. man. Like I, it's sad to see Nan go, but like you haven't known Nan that long. <laughs> like you just met her. Like she's brand new to your life. She's brand new to your world. She's a new chick. But okay. Well, she's known for a year. But yeah, I mean, uh, it hasn't been that long. Okay, like she's been so cool all this time. She mentioned that's what she said. There's a thing that Michael does in the, towards the end of this episode that is fascinating. Sure. And it's when she like bucks the thing and she's like, uh, so anyway, tell us about the burn again. And she's like, we're gonna work on the burn. And Saru's like, stop it, stop it. I'm the captain. I'm gonna, I'm gonna we're not doing the burn thing. She's like, no, we're doing the burn thing. She's like, no, we're not gonna do the burn thing. No, man, we're gonna do the burn thing. Nobody wanna do the burn thing. So I don't know the burn thing. Stop doing the burn thing. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> hey, book. Help me do this burn thing. I fully expect her to solve the burn by the end of this season. I, does anyone else expect Mary Sue not to solve the burn at the end of the season? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I'll have to wait and see. Maybe Is that a red herring? No, I mean, I just said, I hope that she solves. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't seen any of this before. Speaking of red herrings, what did you think of Jojo uh, just standing in a trance in the hallway there? Just Yo, are you kidding me? This woman has lost her fracking mind because she's trying to be a human in a Terran body. Like, she has a, an exciting duology of dual purposes and blah, blah, blah. And and she's like, she's trying to be one of the good guys. And her brain's like, uh, what? Stop. What are you doing? Hold on. What? Wait. Should I turn left or turn right? It's like that episode of Doctor Who. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to stop right here. I shouldn't even be here, man. I uh I mean I, I I mean they're trying to creep us out with this that scene but uh I think they're trying to pull a red herring. I think it, they want us to think that she's a little bit more evil than we re- than we realize right now. But um I think it's totally a misdirect. I think they're uh trying to cause us to blame her, want to suspect her for something. But uh, uh I mean she might have maybe some I mean, she was transported out of her universe, so maybe there's some re- residual of her in her own universe. But mm. other than that, you know, I, I, I uh. still ex- fully expect this uh, Admiral maybe in the next episode or two or three or twelve to to become a bat more of Dude, a bad guy. A hundred percent. I you know don't I mean? expect this to be the fake false federation. Like these guys are evil <laughs> and they're definitely doing the bad shit. And when they send you out for missions, <laughs> they're gonna send out troops from some bad shit. And you're gonna be like, oh shit, this is not the Federation. Y'all are the fake Federation. Fuck you, I'm out of here. And they're gonna be like, no, you're staying because you got the four drive. Totally expect that. Totally see that coming. hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, I mean, Michael already knows that there's a, this other Federation base out there with the one guy. Why doesn't she ask him about them and tell them about them so that, of course, nobody's ever letting Michael speak. So that's the other thing is the Admiral doesn't want to hear anything from Michael. She's a subordinate. Oh, my. I can only talk to a captain. That's certainly one of the things that makes the Admiral... Yeah, he's a bad man. There's there's certainly some things about the episode that bother me. And that is one of those things. Like they treat somehow they treat women in this episode like they they should shut the fuck up. Like totally. They're like, okay, girl, shut up. <laughs> and then there's a thing about like about um go back the, to uh, dishes. Yeah, man, about the about the uh, transgender thing that happens with uh with Senatal and Aziratal, like the admiral in his you know 31st century ideals is being kind of a jerk anyway. 
I'm going to call attention before I forget, because I think uh. I forgot to mention earlier, to the fact that when Discovery entered the field that the UFP now represents, the Federation took hold of Discovery. They took over her helm controls. Yeah. And she was like, I'm not flying anymore. They, they got it. So, so just I just want to keep that in mind. Uh-huh. As soon as they entered, they got controls. Uh-huh. Just keep that in mind. That is another thing. She said that's a flying rainforest. No, girl. It's not flying at all. It's a floating rainforest. Just sitting there. It's not flying. <laughs> flying requires air. What the fuck's wrong with you? Me, me, like, no, everybody no. on the bridge should have turned to her and gone, they're not flying. <laughs> like, everyone should have been like, they're not flying, you idiot. Go sit down, cadet. They're, they're, they're moving through space. I mean, when and when an airplane's flying, they're it's moving, moving through, through atmosphere. Space. They're not moving. They're through still moving. Yeah, through they're moving space. in space, but that space has an atmosphere in it, and that's why they're flying. Without the atmosphere, yeah. they wouldn't be flying. I don't think. And there is no atmosphere. There go. They're not flying. I don't think flying. I agree. Requires you no, it does. Yeah, flying definitely requires atmosphere. If you are in a vacuum, you cannot fly. Period. Then what There's, do spaceships do? Spaceships propel themselves. And as a matter of fact, starships oh. bend space around them. They don't fly at all. They move space. Space <laughs> is the one moving, not the ship. I know it looks like the ship's moving. It's not. Get over it. It's space moving it. Space is impelling the starship itself. It's just space. Space You're... saying, oh, we're going to move you, and it's moving. Just like it's not the wheel moving forward, it's the wheel moving the ground backwards. Yes, man, that's exactly what it is. When I walk, the earth moves. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do a one to ten scale. Which I know, like, we probably have stayed away from. I think some people like it. I like hearing it when people think of things from one to ten. I'm gonna call this episode an eight, man. Yeah, I'm gonna go eight on okay. my scale of one to ten. Well, you I mean after talking about uh, what are the little floaties around the ship? They're in the middle of space. And I, you know what? They they were doing that in like season one, like with the, around the shuttlecraft. There was like little things in a nebula. Like there's always shit floating around. Like when Lorca was there, there's shit floating around in space. I'm like, why are there feathers flying everywhere? What are all these little fucking dandelion <laughs> things? Like, are there dance? Does someone blow a giant dandelion across space? It's been floating across space for like the last thousand years. What? What's going on with this? Why are there dand- like everywhere? Dandelions have taken over the entire universe. You think triples were bad? And dandelions are everywhere. Save us from this future. You have a whole bunch of refugees from the future talking about we need to get away from these fucking dandelions. They're everywhere, man. After the last episode. After uh, Forget Me Not, you mean? Is that... Yeah, Forget yeah, yeah. Me Not. Okay, cool. Up until that point, they were kind of talking the talk, but they weren't walking the walk. Or they were... You... We have tricorders, and we are Starfleet, and we're going to steal from you and bomb our enemies with planting mines in the dead bodies. Oh, 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 oh Starfleet, hold on. Slow down, Starfleet. Give me that tricorder back until you figure out how to be Starfleet. Go ahead. Yeah, I got what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> we are Starfleet. You're lying. They're, that, they're definitely still speaking Star Trek to me. So I this sure. episode definitely still felt like Star Trek. So yeah. it wasn't just a fluke that they were speaking Star Trek in that one. No, man. They got it. They're still kind of doing that. Like, they got it. They hit their stride. I am looking at the credits. And just to answer your question before, I am looking at the credits. And Eli, the EMH, is spelled E-L-I. 
no oh. hyphens or anything. That's unfortunate because we should totally be like E dash L I E. That would because that would be like that's just <laughs> that, it's just something you do, right? Like that equates a dad joke, whatever. But like, how did they miss that? How did they miss it? Or maybe they didn't miss it. Maybe that's exactly what they were saying. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, this episode was pretty good. I think uh, maybe somewhere between a, a seven and a nine. Oh, so like an eight. Eight and a half. Okay, eight and a half. Okay, you got a little bit higher rating than me. That's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And I think that uh, this episode deserves right around that from just everybody on the planet and, and a Pluto world and a Nebula world award and a Hugo award and all the awards and all the awards. As of the uh, time that we were recording this episode, which is, well, we won't talk about when that is because it's a ridiculous time. Because um, we recorded this like episode like 45 years ago, and now you guys are finally hearing it. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't think it'll uh, take uh, that long to I, get it. I don't it. think it'll take that long either, but I didn't think it would take it until now. So, hmm. uh, um, <laughs> so when when is now? Um, now is the time people are listening to it, which is um, the year 2045. <laughs> we released our first episode of the reviews of Star Trek Discovery in uh, April, April 10th, April 5th. Um, 2045. 20, 2063. When the mirror universe actually crosses over, that's when we're going to release the episodes. <laughs> well, we, we don't know that that's the only first time that the mirror universe crossed over. We, we do. We do not. We know Maybe uh, really bad people from history were actually from the mirror universe, and that's why they were trying to conquer the world. So I did my, I did my homework, Earl. I don't know if you did yours. And I wrote my, I wrote my, I wrote my dinner time haiku for this episode. Oh, crap. We were doing... We were actually going to do that? I knew you were going to forget it. It's okay. It's okay. We'll, let's do it. We can do it for the next episode. We keep going. And sometimes, you know what? Moving forward, sometimes I'll forget my homework. But, you know. So, 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 so check it. Here it goes. Here it goes. Ready? Admirals, man. They exist at all times. But we can fight them back, man. Did I cheat on the syllables by adding man in there? I don't know. Was that not good? You didn't like my... You didn't like my haiku? Yeah. I, it took me like whole, I, like two minutes to write it, man. Come on. Uh, so look, uh, what do we have? Uh, so next time we have, uh, we got another episode, right? There's more to the season, correct? Yes, there is. Next episode is going to be episode six, season three, scavengers. Scavengers. What are we looking for? What are we scavenging for? Is it going to be a party? Is it going to be a hunt? It's going to be. What's going to be? What are we I for? have no idea. I've never seen this. <laughs> Man, you know what we're going to be looking for? We're going to be looking for scraps of the burn. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right, so until we find scraps of the burn, or until we find uh, that the mirror universe crossed over... Oh, did you have more you wanted to say? I don't think so. Cool, man. Well, until next time, or until we find the scraps of the burn, or until we find uh, that the mirror universe has crossed over, this has been Let's Talk About Treks. Have a great, uh, have a great time. From now until the Who next are time. you? Who am I? Uh, I'm Jack Dorino, man. And I am Earl. Support the continued uh-huh. making of this show right, through Patreon.com. Bye-bye. Let's Talk About Trex is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttrex.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. 
Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.